Mickelson makes history. Julio Jones is moving on from Atlanta. And the Kepka versus Bryson DeChambeau feud is all I could ever want in sports. The Valley Sports Talk begins right now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the LaValley Sports Talk Podcast, brought to you by the Soundline Network. As always, I'm your host, Chris LaValley. Hope you all are doing well and staying safe. we got to kick off the pod this week and recap the PGA Championship. We're going to start with Phil Mickelson, who made history as the oldest major winner in history at 50 years old. He finished the major at 6 under par, two strokes better than Brooks Kepka and Louis Oosthuizen, who both finished at 4 under. This is Phil's sixth major win, first since the 2013 Open Championship, and this is his second PGA Championship victory. His previous one was 16 years ago, back in 2005. And with this victory, Phil became one of only 10 golfers to win majors in three decades, and that list includes Tiger Woods. So aside from Phil making history, I think the one thing that's going to stay with golf fans and and those who watched this major was the the crowd of people that surrounded Phil after he made his second shot on the 18th hole walking to the 18th green and just the sea of spectators and fans that engulfed him and his caddy it was an incredible scene like to the point where even the CBS broadcast admitted that they think that the the golf course staff and security were completely overwhelmed and it seemed that way I mean, there were just people mobbing Phil, not in a not in a malicious way. They just they were screaming, they were chanting, they were excited, and I think this is one of two things. One is I I truly believe Phil might be if we're going to rank as far as fandom goes in golf, Phil might be the fan favorite of anyone on the PGA Tour. Everybody loves Phil. I don't know of anybody who does not enjoy Phil Mickelson. That's number one. Number two is because of COVID. I think that the fact that you were seeing people out there, they were maskless, they could finally be outdoors at a sporting event. And I think people are just living it up. I'm sure there was quite a few out there that had maybe a one or two too many, and they're just having themselves a good time. The scene was phenomenal, though. It was so cool. It was reminiscent to me in 2019 when Tiger won the Masters, when he was walking up to the 18th green. Again, the sea of people that were following Tiger because they could, they could feel it. This was going to be the moment when Tiger finally broke through again. And I feel like that this was the same thing, was while everybody likes Phil and everybody rooted for Phil, you, Phil, Phil Mickelson coming into this weekend was a 200-to-1 odd of winning the PGA Championship. Okay, so most people, most odds betters, obviously, and the majority of golf fans, I think, believed that Phil's best days were behind him. And I was one of them. I mean, I, I, no bones about it. I mean, I didn't believe that Phil was really going to be a major contender for any more majors. I thought, you know, he could hang around, maybe play well on Friday or Saturday. But when it came to Sunday, age and attrition seemed to be catching up with him, that he could play well early on in the tournaments. But once he got later into the weekends, he just, he just couldn't keep up. And look, he played flawless this weekend. So if you're out there and you put a hundred bucks down on, on Phil, congratulations to you. You just won 20 grand, but it just goes to show you that apparently all these athletes now are being able to outlast father time. And what we used to think as the normal of once you hit a certain age, you're 
you're just not going to be able to keep up with the younger, stronger, faster, whatever it may be, players. T- people like Tom Brady and, and Phil Mickelson seem to be the, uh, be the exception to the rule. So we'll see what happens moving forward. But anyway, congratulations to Phil. Let's break down a little bit more of what happened uh, during this tournament. All right, so a real quick recap of uh, everything else that happened over the weekend. Kepka couldn't put it together on Sunday. I've never seen him play that poorly in contention. He fell apart right around the ninth hole and never recovered. Uh, the remainder of the leaderboard was as follows. Harrington, Lowry, Higgs, and Casey tied for fourth at two under. Nine players tied for eighth, including last year's winner, Marikawa, Rose, Rahm, and Ricky Fowler. Dustin Johnson, number one player in the world, did not make the cut. He had a rough weekend, as did Spieth, who finished tied for 30th at two over, and Rory, who finished tied for 49th at five over. So the favorites did not play too well, and the guy who, again, 201 odds, kicked everybody else's butt. So go figure. Let's talk some NFL. Julio Jones wants out of Atlanta. Jones said Monday on Fox Sports 1 that he is, quote-unquote, out of Atlanta. Speculation has been swirling about where their star wide receiver could end up. Jones has made it public that he wants to win at his next destination. So the teams that have been linked to the star wide receiver include the Titans, the Patriots, the Cardinals, the Packers, the Colts, and the Ravens. And I just read a report this morning that said that the Philadelphia Eagles are also a team that has been linked to the star wide receiver, but that doesn't make any sense to me because if If Jones wants to win, why the hell would he go to Philadelphia? They don't have a real quarterback. Anyway, moving on. So many believe that the the Tennessee Titans are the favorite as a video leaked over the weekend of Jones working out with star running back Derrick Henry. I could see that. that. Now, that would completely change the dynamic of the AFC South, mind you. I said last week that I think the Titans are not going to be all that great. But if they can get Julio Jones, you're now giving Ryan Tannehill a target again. Now, I, I the reason why I don't buy into the Titans is because I think they completely depleted their wide receiving core over this past season. So, to bring back another star wide receiver would definitely put the Titans back in play as a contender for the playoffs. The Packers being a favorite is absolutely laughable. If if you honestly believe that Green Bay is going to go after Julio Jones, I got a bridge in Brooklyn. I'd love to sell you. Like that's just utter nonsense. The Packers never make moves in free agency. They're not going to start now. If anything, that was it, <laughs> that was probably somebody in Green Bay probably put that rumor out there to try and appease Aaron Rodgers. But no, and I'm going to touch on Rodgers and the Packers momentarily. If the Colts were fortunate enough to get Jones, they would have to jump ahead of everyone aside from the Chiefs as being Super Bowl favorites. And that also goes to the Baltimore Ravens. If the Ravens were to get Julio Jones, five of the Colts or the Ravens get Julio Jones they're immediately Super Bowl favorites because both rosters are already stacked. And if you add a star wideout like Jones to one of them, it's, it's kind of hard for me not to buy into them as, as maybe even overtaking the Chiefs. I mean, I'd have to kind of take a look again at everyone's rosters. But if you add a star like that to either one of those offenses, they're going to be pretty damn prolific. My money, though, is on, is on New England. This just has all the makings of a Bill Belichick move of – not really doing much in the draft and the Patriots as far as wide receiver goes and the Patriots have already gone out and spent money in free agency we've seen that Patriots spent more money or made more moves in free agency this past season than I think Bill Belichick has done in like his entire career as a head coach 
So don't be shocked if the Patriots make a play here, a, a strong play for Julio. And like, I don't know. I just I I personally think that th- this is a move that that Bill Belichick would make. With that being said, aside from the Colts, I would love to see Julio Jones in Arizona. Imagine the one-two punch of DeAndre Hopkins and Julio Jones with Kyler Murray. Not to mention the fact that you still got old man Fitzgerald out there too. That would be incredible. And Arizona would, if Arizona got Julio Jones, that would completely flip the script of the NFC West, in my opinion. I think that with Jones, you now have to take the Cardinals extremely seriously as potential NFC West champs. They may be better than, than the Los Angeles Rams at that point. So we'll see what happens. I, I think that the the Titans being a favorite makes sense. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with people buying into the Titans. I still think that New England is the favorite here. So, like, if I had to... So out of the Titans, Patriots, Cardinals, Packers, Colts, Ravens, if I was going to go, like, in numerical order of favorites here, I would take the Patriots first, the Titans second, the Ravens third, Colts fourth, Cardinals fifth, and Packers distant six. Like, the Packers aren't even on the list. They're that far back. Because, again, the Green Bay Packers have never once made a move in free agency. They're not going to start now, especially not for Julio Jones. Now, with this, this all being said, the one thing that people have to keep in mind with Julio Jones is I've been, like, super amped up about where he could possibly go. And, oh, my God, he's one of the best wide receivers in the league, which is all true. But he has a really bad injury history. And that's the one thing that people have to keep in mind. So while he would be a tremendous asset for any one of these teams, aside from the Packers, because, again, the Packers are not going to get him, you just got to keep in mind that the dude does have a really bad injury history. I would still make a play for him because he's just that prolific, but you just kind of got to realize that while he is an incredible talent, there's also that injury history to keep in the back of your mind. We'll see what happens. I think he's going to end up in New England, but Julio Jones watches officially on. Aaron Rodgers is not messing around. If the Packers thought Rodgers was playing them or just trying to create negative media attention they need to start rethinking how they want to handle the situation moving forward Rodgers didn't attend Packers OTAs as a bunch of star players also decided to uh to not attend OTAs either uh so with with his absence from OTAs Rodgers has lost five hundred thousand dollar bonus and according to ESPN quote Rodgers did not participate in phase one which the Packers held virtually for the previous four weeks or phase two which was held in person last week. Phase three, which includes 10 total days of work spread over four weeks, began on Monday. The first session open to reporters was Tuesday. End quote. So while many may think that the $500,000 might not mean much to Rodgers, and obviously they'd be right, the dude's worth millions and millions of dollars, what should concern the Packers is that Rodgers has never not participated in OTAs throughout his career. You know, we're going to find out in the coming months just how serious Rodgers is about demanding a trade from the Packers due to what it will cost him to hold out moving forward. If he doesn't report for next month's minicamp, he is subject to a fine of $93,085, $15,515 for the first day and $31,030 for the second and $46,540 for the third missed day. Then comes training camp when each skip day comes with a mandatory fine of fifty grand and one week's regular season salary for each preseason game missed. So we're going to find out, like I said, very, very soon if Rodgers is adamant about holding out and demanding a trade. And frankly, the way the way it's going, he may be 
talking some other players into doing the exact same thing in support for him. So it's it's an interesting chess move by Rodgers, and I'm all I'm here for it. I am 100% behind Rodgers on this. I think this is awesome. There's a lot of people who are sitting back who are not Aaron Rodgers fans who think he's being overly dramatic and can't stand the fact that Rodgers, it looks like Rodgers is going to burn this organization to the ground. But frankly, he should. He should burn this organization to the ground on the way out. They have done nothing for him. There has never been another superstar in any sport, any sport that has been more disrespected by their franchise than Aaron Rodgers. You know, there are people back in the I remember people back in the the same sports writers, by the way, right now who are on Aaron Rodgers and criticizing Aaron Rodgers were supporting LeBron James when LeBron James was bitching about how he had no help at Cleveland. And and at least Cleveland went out and made a change. They made enough of a change to entice LeBron to come back. Now I know LeBron left, but he came back. And when he came back, they made a play for superstars. They brought in Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love. They did everything they could to appease LeBron while he was there. The Packers have never even considered trying to appease Aaron Rodgers. They just continue to do whatever the hell they want. And Rodgers made a comment the other day that he completely screwed with the Packers' game plan by winning the MVP this past season. That he knew for a fact, or at least he believed that by him winning the MVP, he screwed up the Packers' plans because how the hell could the Packers justify moving on from the guy who just won the MVP? Right now, Aaron Rodgers is showing the ultimate flex. Not only is he sitting out, but other star players on that team are also sitting out with him. And here's the thing. For all the people out there who like to to bash on Aaron Rodgers and say that he's not a good leader, he's too surly, people on his team don't like him. Well, enough people on his team seem to like him and respect him because you name me another group of NFL players, or any athletes for that matter, who are willing to sit out with their teammate and get fined lose money by trying to prove a point it that that narrative doesn't look too good right now if you're sitting there and you're saying well Aaron Rodgers while he may be one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time he's really not that great of a leader there's there's been enough rumors and reports out there that like he's not he doesn't have a great locker room presence well apparently he does have a pretty damn good locker room presence or at least he has the respect of a lot of the players on that team if they're willing to take um if they're willing to lose money just to sit out with him to prove a point. And when I've talked about how Rodgers is going to burn this organization to the ground, or at least try to, this is what I'm talking about. The fact that he's now galvanized enough players and opened up enough star players' eyes to say, hey, look, this, this organization, this front office, they don't give a shit about you. They don't, they don't even care about me. I'm the damn star of the team. I'm the face of the franchise. And they don't even try and help me out. What the hell do you think they're going to do for you? Those stars, Devontae Adams and others, they're going to look elsewhere in free agency. They're not going to resign with the Packers. They're, they're watching what they've done to their quarterback. Again, to the face of the franchise. If they don't even care to help him out, what the hell are they going to do for them? They're not going to help them out. And, here's, and this is why, in the short term, sure, the Packers might be okay. But in the long term, when all the superstars leave, all their star players leave in free agency, they're screwed. And if you don't think that those star players aren't telling other star players on other teams what's going on behind the scenes in Green Bay, you're out of your mind. We know that player collusion happens all the time. It, it happens in the NBA. You can be damn sure it happens in the NFL where players are just telling each other, hey, so you want to come here and play? Maybe you should consider coming here to play. I can promise you that people on Green Bay, or at least the stars on Green Bay, who have the ability to 
to go somewhere else and make a lot of money, they're telling those other stars that play on other teams, do not come here. If you have the opportunity to go to another team, go to another team. You do not want to come here and play because we're getting out. This franchise clearly doesn't give a shit about you. And they don't. How can you believe that the Packers honestly care about their their players? Truly, given the fact that they don't, they, they clearly don't care about the superstar that they have. What makes you believe that they're going to care about you, a lesser star? The Packers front office have, has mismanaged this and, and played this so poorly. It's baffling. It really is baffling how poorly they're going to get killed in the PR game here. They're, it's just, it's not going to end well for them. And I can't wait. I cannot wait. So I hope Rodgers continues to do what he's doing. I hope other players continue to sit out because they are proving a point here. Now, I don't think it's going to be long-term, but even in the short term, even in the small little sample space, they are proving to other teams, excuse me, other players, do not come to this team, go elsewhere. And the Packers are going to, they're going to pay for this and it's going to be beautiful to watch. So I got a two-part Everything is Stupid all NBA edition here. So we're going to kick it off here. We're going to talk about the sports media because, frankly, I love bashing the sports media whenever I have the opportunity to do so. So once again, sports talk, all the, the blue check marks on Twitter have been coming out and you know reminding everybody it's NBA playoff time and nothing else matters. So everybody is just going to be tuning into the NBA because it's playoff time and the NBA has been pushing their playoffs. They had playoff chirons and commercials from a, back about a month and a half ago, they were, they were reminding everybody that it's almost playoff time. Well, either nobody's watching television anymore or just nobody gives a shit about the NBA because as first noted by the Sports Business uh, Journal, the final round of the PGA Championship this past Sunday drew 6.6 million viewers, which was up from the 5.2 million in 2020 and 5 million in 2019. The heavily promoted NBA playoffs didn't even sniff that number. The number one game, the number one rated game, which is the 330 ABC game, which is like the primetime NFL game during the NFL season, the 330 NBA, which was Lakers-Suns, drew 4.4 million viewers. That's pathetic. Celtics-Nets, 3.8 million. Hawks-Knicks. Knicks are finally back in the playoffs. They drew 3 million. Grizzlies-Jazz at 2.7. Wizards-Sixers at 1.9 million. The NBA is not as popular as it people are, are believe it to be, or at least or what we are led to believe. Now, they should be much more popular given all the the press coverage and the media coverage that they get. You turn on ESPN or Fox Sports One during the day, the the A block and the B block of all the, the debate shows, first things first, undisputed, first take, get up, it's all NBA all the time. That's all they talk about is NBA, NBA, NBA. But yet no one's tuning in. No one's even tuning into these shows, mind you, either. These debate shows have been crashing in the ratings because they're talking about the sport that nobody wants to listen to. The people are voting with their eyeballs. And these sports networks, for whatever reason, are refusing to realize the fact that or just ignoring the fact that people just don't care about the NBA right now. And it's not... Mark Cuban and others have come out and they've made the statement that, oh, the, the numbers are down throughout sports. That's clearly not true. That's clearly not true. NFL ratings were up this past year. Golf ratings have been surging since last year. Baseball ratings are up. 
NHL playoff ratings are up. NBA playoff ratings continue to struggle. You know, it's a social media-driven sport. That's what the NBA has become. It's become a social media-driven sport. But not enough people are watching it on social media for it to matter because if enough people... Because there's no way in hell the NBA is not tracking this. If enough people were watching it strictly through social media or just strictly through streaming services, the NBA would be able to track that. They have enough They have enough um, technology now to be able to track the algorithm to figure out if people are watching it. And they're not. So when you're getting fed the, well, you know, we, you have to worry about the bootleg streams and all this other stream, that's all bullshit. That's all bullshit because people bootleg and stream NFL and, and Major League Baseball games, it, and, and yet again, their ratings continue to climb. So you can't just keep using the bootleg, people are pirating. That kind of crap doesn't work anymore. You can't keep saying it because it's just not true. I'm not saying that people aren't doing it, but you can't use that as an excuse anymore because they're doing it with everything. It's not just, you're, you, want, you want me to believe that only... People are pirating NBA games, but they're not going to sit there and they're not going to pirate games off of the NFL network or Red Zone or Sunday NFL ticket. Give me a break. And so once again, you know, the media has doused themselves in glory and lies and, and everything else to try and make you believe that the NBA is more prevalent in the sports culture than it really is. And it's not. And it's not going to be anytime soon until the NBA figures out it's it or fixes its image issue and, and realizes that you can't alienate half your fan base and still expect them to tune in and watch your product. So the second part of everything is stupid this week is I have to call myself out for taking the Los Angeles Clippers to win the uh, to at least make it to the Western Conference Finals. They're awful. They're just. It be it's bewildering how terrible they are when it comes to the postseason. This team has no backbone. They they're they're like jellyfish out there when it comes to playoff time. I I've never seen a team that has had all this potential that many people picked last season to win the NBA championship, that a lot of people picked this season to make it to the finals. And in two consecutive years, they're about to get drop kicked by inferior teams in the postseason. Last year, it was Denver. Denver kicked him in the teeth. And this year, they're getting outplayed by one player. Let's be real here. The Dallas Mavericks have one good player, and that's Luka. Christoph Porzingis has, has just not been good for the Mavericks. Luka is carrying this team on his back. Like, the, the, we're talking... Shades of LeBron 07 carrying the Cavs to the finals against Duncan and the Spurs when they got swept. That's what we're talking about here with Luka. Now, do I think Luka's going to make it all the way to the NBA Finals? Hell no, but if, if they're able to upset the Clippers, you can be damn straight. I'm going to be rooting for that. That story's incredible if that's able to happen. Now, I was not. I, I can't take credit for thinking Luka Doncic is, was going to be as good as Luka has been in the NBA because I didn't believe that. I didn't. I, I thought that he was completely overhyped and that he was going to come in and be a, you know, a decent Euro player, but I, I wasn't expecting him to be this type of player. Luca is incredible. Absolutely incredible. But let's get off the, let's get off the Mavericks here. We already know the Mavericks are good. The Clippers, they, they just, I, I don't understand how you can assemble a roster that they, they don't even seem like they enjoy playing with each other. 
And last season, I blamed the chemistry issues on the head coach. Well, the head coach is no longer there. They now have a new head coach, Ty Lue, who everyone says is one of the, the greatest coaches in basketball just because he was on the coaching staff or he was the coach when the Cavs came back from the 3-1 deficit against the Warriors. But Ty Lue did not coach that team. LeBron James coached that team. Ty Lue was just riding his coattails. And it's showing. It, that's the other thing, too, is the Clippers, the lack of coaching ability, the lack of team chemistry, the lack of superstar ability out of Paul George is all coming to a head here. Kawhi Leonard played it. He didn't. He played okay on on Sunday. He played really well on Tuesday night. He scored over forty points. He shot. I think it was like sixty percent from three. Like he was the only reason why the, the Clippers were in that ball game. And realistically speaking, he's the, he's the only reason why the Clippers are worth watching. But this team sucks. I, I just I don't want to watch him anymore. I'm tired of it. I hope the Mavericks sweep them. That team needs to be complete. The roster needs to be completely blown up. That front office needs to be fired everyone needs to go and once again the Clippers are going to come up short in the playoffs and frankly I as much as I I thought that they had the ability to uh to challenge the Lakers they would get if they're playing this bad against Dallas they would get absolutely annihilated by Los Angeles and I know the Lakers are one and one against the Suns but realistically speaking if they the Lakers to me they're struggling right now because I don't think LeBron is 100% healthy, number one. Number two, they really haven't played with each other. And the longer the playoffs go, the more they're going to be able to figure out the chemistry issues that they need to figure out. The Lakers will be fine. By the time they reach the Western Conference Finals, if the Lakers did meet the Clippers at that point in time, they would devour the Clippers in four games. It wouldn't even be, a, it wouldn't even be close. So just the Clippers will... Are you right now? I think the Clippers are going to win one game. They'll win Game Three, probably because they're if they go down three zero, the series is over. They're going to put everything they have behind Game Three. They will likely win Game Three, and then I think that's it. I think the Mavs win Game Four, and then they're going to turn around and they're going to win Game Five. And good riddance to the Clippers at that point. I'm done. I'm done with them. I'm ready to jump on the Luka bandwagon and see how far that'll take us. I have no shame. I have no problem admitting the fact that I'm a complete manwagon jumper when it comes to the NBA, and I am all about jumping on the Luka bandwagon because just watching Luka Doncic is better than having to deal with any more of this Clipper nonsense. All right, so the Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka. Uh, pettiness, feud, whatever you want to call it, the contempt that Kepka has for DeChambeau, all of it is my favorite thing in sports right now. It is fantastic. I love it. I love the drama. I'm a huge Kepka fan, as you know. I've mentioned it before. And I love him even more now. There is just the <laughs> the authenticity that you're going to hear from this this clip in a moment is amazing. Now, I'm pulling this from Pat McAfee's show off of YouTube. Because they're the, it's the only place I could find the audio clip. They, the Golf Network pulled it from other areas that I had originally found it on. So this is completely pulled from uh, Pat McAfee's show. And uh, just quick context, Kepka's talking, this was the other day, so I believe this was after either Friday or Saturday when he had a tough time putting. And he was saying, you know, I, I, I didn't putt very well. The, I don't know how you could putt well given the the way of the course and Bryson DeChambeau walks behind him in the middle of the interview and chirps 
something at him, some sort of make some sort of comment. No one's really been able to decipher what he says, but he he does take a a, a stab at Kepka, and Kepka's response to it is everything. So here we go. I'm going to play the audio now. Golf course was asking a lot from you today, Brooks. What were you able to do well and put up that nice number? Just ball struck my way around this place. Um, Thanks for asking. Didn't putt well, but I don't think many guys are going to putt well with this wind. It's it's very tough. I don't like I, said, I don't know what other guys have said or. I just felt it difficult to read, you know, sometimes. Sometimes. Um, I, lost, I lost my train of thought, yeah. Hearing that bullshit. So, again, that's that's audio from Pat McAfee Show. I want to make sure that I, that I give credit to where I got that so I don't get in trouble for copyright or anything like that. But anyway, it... it the eye roll that, that Kepka has when he's... When he says, fucking Christ, it's amazing. That... A that's going to be that's going to become like the new favorite internet gif of all time. But the fact that DeChambeau is trolling Kepka and Kepka just doesn't even like is not even trying to pretend that what DeChambeau said didn't get under his skin. The authenticity there, the the pure and utter just disgust that he has for Bryson is amazing. I love it. This is great for golf in a good way. You you want that type of drama. You want that friction between two stars in your sport. Especially again, you don't have Tiger anymore, or at least not for not for a while. This is the type of stuff that's going to draw more viewers into golf, uh, not just golf majors, but just regular PGA tournament events. Whenever you have the opportunity, where where Bryson and, and Kepka are going to be facing off against each other. This is this is what's going to draw more viewers in. So I love it. I love DeChambeau being the heel there. I, I think that DeChambeau is the, is the perfect villain in, in sports right now. He really is, and he knows it. And he's playing he's playing it. He's playing it beautifully. But I love Kepka even more. I, I just I appreciate the fact that he was honest and he was authentic, and he wasn't going to try and pretend that you know, uh, whatever Bryson can say, whatever he wants. No, flat out. He was like, screw this guy. This guy sucks. He's an ass. And I'm not going to pretend like I didn't hear what he said. And I'm not going to pretend like it, it, like, like I have respect for him. I can't love it enough. You can check it out on YouTube again. Just type in, uh, Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka. That's one of the first things that'll pop up is that Pat McAfee clip. You can pull it up there. You can watch it for yourself, view it, check it out. It is hundred percent worth the 30 seconds of your time. Oh, it's so great. I love it so much. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the LaValle Sports Talk Podcast brought to you by the Silent Network. As always, thank you so much for tuning and listening. I greatly appreciate it. Please check us out, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, we have plenty of other podcasts for you, including Drinks with Dan, Richo's Rant, Spaceball, and Richo and Lala. That is it. That's all I have for you this week. Be well. Stay safe. Talk to you all again soon. (laughs) 